Go ahead and open your Bible to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Um, my, my mother-in-law and sister-in-law are actually in town uh, this week, or this weekend for uh, my daughter's birthday. My daughter turns one tomorrow, and, and so they came in to celebrate with us. And so one of the great things when, when my mother-in-law comes to town is she loves to take us out to eat. Uh, one of the many great things when she comes to town. So Friday night we went to Olive Garden, which is always a good thing. Um, and, and so I, I ordered, um, I got the Zupa Toscana. I'm just going to tell you, just going to take you on a journey through Olive Garden with me. Uh, which if you've never had the Zupa Toscana, you're missing out. It is a very good soup. Um, I, I got my pasta, like never any pasta bowl. Got, got a lot of good stuff. Um, but I did the thing that I always do. I ate too much bread. Anybody else have this problem? You, you, man, I, I barely made it like a third of the way through my pasta because of this right here. In fact, I brought one to show you, um, and we got some on the screen. This is my, this is my take-home Olive Garden breadstick uh, because for some reason I can't say no to bread. I have a problem. I'm just confessing to you, man. Nancy Reagan didn't get through to me in the 80s. She said, just say no, but it didn't stick. I can't just say no to bread. So I ate too much bread. So I ended up bringing home all this pasta. And, and last night we had leftovers because we'd been eating so good all week. And, and, and I, I get my pasta out and I warm it up. And my wife looked at me. She's like, did you eat any of that? How do you have so much left? Everybody else had like a few bites of their stuff left. I had like four meals on my plate because I can't. Say no to bread, but, but here's the problem with Olive Garden breadsticks. As good as they are and as much as I filled up on them, guess what happened yesterday? I still got hungry. Uh, I, in fact, I got crazy hungry. We went, we went to uh, the Memphis Botanic Gardens, uh, and, and we walked around, and we were probably in there for five minutes, and I was like, we got to get some food. Like, I am starving. I was so hungry. We were in there for two hours, and I was about to die. I was so hungry. And so even though Friday night I had filled up so much I couldn't eat three bites of my pasta, by Saturday I was starving again. Why? Because as good as it is and as temporarily satisfying as it is, this will always still leave you hungry at some point. Right? You can't survive on it. It's not going to fill you up forever, no matter how many of them you eat, and they are never ending, so you can eat a lot of them. For so many people, life is just like this. There's a never-ending quest for fulfillment. There's so many people in this world who have found momentary happiness and temporary satisfaction, but they have never found lasting significance. Our world is filled with people who are desperately trying to find purpose and to find meaning, fulfillment, significance, in their lives. The truth is, when it comes to the deepest longings in life, most people are not satisfied customers. It's the great philosopher Henry David Thoreau who put it this way. He said, the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. We live lives of quiet desperation. We're always wanting more. We're always searching for something. We're always missing something. People are hungry for so many things, but, but perhaps people are hungry for two things primarily. The first is this, people are hungry for security. All, all one has to do is look at the political climate of our nation, and, and whether you are thrilled with the new president or terrified by the new president, and we probably have some people in both of those camps, what, what, what is one of the big themes is, is do I feel safe? 
right? So some, some feel so safe by the, the policies that he's putting in place and the measures he's taking to protect our, our country, and others feel so unsafe because they feel targeted by those decisions. Security is something we so desperately crave. We, we want personal financial security, as, as Travis alluded to. We are always looking for financial security. We're looking for physical security. We want to know that we're taken care of and that we're safe. People also hunger for significance, so we hunger for security and significance. We want personal significance. In other words, we want to know that our life means something to ourselves, but then we want relational significance. We want to know that our life means something to others, that I matter. We're hungry for those two things. No matter who you are, what season of life you are in, what you have or don't have, what you've experienced or not experienced, all of us desire those two things at the deepest level. We desire security, and we desire significance. When, when you're hungry, It's because you are empty of whatever it is that you're hungry for. You don't have enough of it. If you try to satisfy that emptiness with the wrong thing, it's not going to fill your longing. It's not going to fix your problem. That's why so many people find that the more they try to fill their emptiness, the emptier they actually become. Many of you have heard of tennis great Boris Becker, who was a, a tennis legend in the 80s and early 90s. And, and Boris Becker, he reached the, the highest heights of his sport, um, and, and yet he actually became dangerously suicidal. Very nearly took his own life because he was so overwhelmed by the sense of, of emptiness and meaninglessness in his life. Even though he had such great success, he put it this way. Here's what Boris said. He said, I had won Wimbledon twice before, once as the youngest player ever. I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. I had money, cars, women, everything. I know that this is a cliche. It's the old song of the movie and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string. Boris Becker, who many of us would gladly have exchanged places with, is a testament to the fact that many people know that deep down something is missing. Something that we long for, something that we desire is not there, even if they're not able to put a name to it, even if they don't know what it is. And yet the more that we try to solve our problems many times, the deeper the problem becomes. There's a story that I heard of of a little boy who had a problem with gluttony. He liked to eat. He was very much an American boy. And so this little boy, uh, his favorite thing was pancakes. So his mom decided, I'm going to try to teach you a lesson. Uh, So she said, you know what? This morning, I'm going to make you as many pancakes as you want. And here's the deal. I'll make as many as you want, but if I make them, you have to eat them. So she made him the first batch of pancakes, and and he ate them up, and he was happy. And she said, you want more pancakes? She said, yes, mom, I want more pancakes. So she made the second batch of pancakes. He scarfed those down, too. He said, do you want more pancakes? Yes, mom, I want more pancakes. So she made a third batch, and he scarfed those down. And She asked the question again, do you want more pancakes? He said, yes. So she made a fourth batch of pancakes, and he ate those. And then she said, okay, do you want more? And after the fourth batch, he looked at her and said, no, mama, I don't want more pancakes. In fact, I don't even want the pancakes I already had. He reached a point where the pancakes had turned on him. Where they were once his friend, now they had become his enemy. And don't we find that so many of the things that we turn to to satisfy our hunger sometimes flip around on us, and the thing we thought we wanted so badly was actually the thing that hurt us so deeply, just as that boy was. Well, here's the great news. Jesus Christ understands our problem. His gospel in the book of John records for us seven I am statements, seven declarations of his deity 
that are not recorded anywhere else in the Gospels for us. The first of these we find, as I told you to turn to John chapter 6, it's where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Why did Jesus choose bread to represent what he is to our very life? Well, you can travel to, to almost any country in the world, in fact, probably to, to basically any country in the world. And, and while things might be very different, you can't go to every country and find steak. You can't go to every country and find lobster. You can't go to every country, unfortunately, and find pork shoulder and ribs. Shout out to Memphis. Praise God for bringing me here. You can't go everywhere and find all those things, but you can go anywhere and find bread. Every country in the world, they're going to serve you some kind of bread in the restaurant, whatever type of restaurant you attend. Not everybody has everything, but everybody has bread. Why? Because bread is a staple of life. Um, if, if poor people don't have anything else, they have some form of bread. And yet the richest people on earth, if you were to go to their home and they were to bring you in, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find bread. Bread is universal. It transcends race. It transcends age. It transcends ethnicity. It transcends culture. It's something that we all identify with. Whether it's gluten-is or gluten-free, we all have some desire for some type of bread. It's everywhere. It comes in all shapes and sizes. In Mexico, it might be a tortilla. In New York, it might be a bagel. Here in God's country, it might be a biscuit. But it's going to look like something. We're all going to have some kind of bread, right? It's eaten by almost everyone almost every day. There are certain fruits that are only available certain types of year. There's certain seafood that you can only get in the right season. There's many foods like, like uh, you probably only drink uh, eggnog at Christmas, right? I don't know anybody that you go over in July and it's like, hey, here's some eggnog. Uh, it's a seasonal thing. But bread transcends season. It transcends time. It's something we have at any point anywhere. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, when he spoke those words, bread was the way that many people in that day existed. Many of his listeners were, were not wealthy. They were not people who had it all. And so this was the basic sustenance. This was the thing that kept them alive on a day-to-day -day basis. Even today, if you were to go to the Middle East where Jesus was and, and someone were to invite you into their home, whether they're Jewish or Arab, most likely the first thing they would offer you to eat is bread. Bread transcends it all. And as we're going to see in just a minute, Jesus went far beyond just physical bread to illustrate for us this great truth. Keep in mind the background of the story. And in the very first part of this chapter, and I encourage you to read it this week in John chapter 6, there, there's this transcendent miracle, this famous miracle that we probably all heard of is Jesus feeding the 5,000. So he takes two fish and five little loaves and, and, and this meal, this snack, for a boy, and Jesus says, you know what, I can take what's designed to fill one small stomach, and I can fill every sinking stomach that's here with this, because my strength is greater, my power is, is stronger, I have this ability, and so he feeds the five thousands, this miracle that, that obviously made a great impression on the people, because then Jesus and his disciples, they get in a boat, and they cross over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, they're going to go get some rest and some relaxation, some, some time away from the crowds. But what happens? The crowd follows them to the other side. Somehow, some way, they find their way over there. And Jesus knows why they showed up. He, he says this in John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus answered them. He says, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Right? He, he, man, it's not because you were amazed by some supernatural power and you want to know more about that power you were like, man, 
you got some more bread, Jesus? Like, man, you can't, can, we get, can we get another basket server? Like, we need some more bread, right? There was the very basic level. The, 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 the smallest need that he could have met was the one that they came back and were like, man, that bread was pretty good. Let's get some more. Notice, and I think this is interesting, he didn't say because you ate the fish and had your fill, right? Like, the, I mean, the fish was part of the miracle, too. And the fish was probably more rare and harder to get than the bread. But when it came down to it, what did they show up for? I want some bread. My son loves bread. It's one of the first thing in the morning. He, first thing he says in the morning is oofs because he wants to watch Paw Patrol. And that's how he says dog. Uh, and second thing he says is bread. Like he, wants, he, he normally has a, a piece of peanut butter toast for breakfast, and he wants that bread immediately. In fact, last night when we had the, the Olive Garden leftovers, I broke out my other piece of Olive Garden bread that when I ate last night, and he immediately grabbed for it. He wanted daddy's bread. Uh, he, he loves bread, so it, it transcends age. It starts at a very, very early place, but they wanted some more bread. They thought they'd hit the mother load with Jesus. They thought they had found the bread maker. Jesus, the baker man, that he was always going to fill their needs. They thought he was going to take care of whatever it was that they needed. In fact, they even compared what Jesus did to the manna that God had sent down from heaven in the book of Exodus. John 6, 31, they're speaking, and and they say this to Jesus. They say, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, So they're like, hey, Moses showed up in the desert, he's walking people across the wilderness, and he provided manna for them, so if he can give them manna, and you're the son of God, certainly you can do something even better, they have manna every day, so we're not satisfied with one, feed the 5,000, we got expectations for you, Jesus, they thought that all that they needed was right there, that, that he could provide them everything, and that's why Jesus made this powerful statement that, that serves as the backdrop Uh, of his statement on bread verse 27 he says do not work for food that spoils why because manna from heaven spoiled if you know anything about it in the book of exodus when the manna showed up you had 24 hour shelf life you're gonna eat it today or it's gonna make you sick except if manna came the day before the sabbath because they weren't allowed to go out on the sabbath to collect the manna so so god said i'll make that manna last an extra day for you so collect enough for that day as well, but there was a shelf life, it would spoil, and so they're talking about, hey, we want something like that manna, they had manna every day, and Jesus said, don't you see, they were just getting something that lasted a day, I came to give you something so much greater than that, I came to give you something so much deeper than that, I came to satisfy a hunger that nothing else on this earth can fill, if you want to find, let me finish the verse, verse 27, he said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father has placed his seal of approval. If you want to find real security and real significance in life, if if when you come to the end of your days, you look back on your life, you want to be able to look back and, and, and be fulfilled in who you were and what you were able to do. If that's you, if you want to be a satisfied customer, then heed the words of Jesus, and I, I want to give you two things. Two encouragements, two reminders, two things that you probably already know. Maybe you've never heard them worded this way, but but two things that are going to help you to apply the bread of life to your life. So here's how to be a satisfied customer. Number one, never substitute the material for the spiritual. Never substitute the material for the spiritual. Never substitute the material for the spiritual. Jesus is speaking to this huge crowd of people. 
that he had just fed one day before. And he, he sees that, that they see him differently than who he is. By the way, most of the, our problems in life come because we don't see Jesus for who he really is. We, we, we see him as less than what he truly is. So what did they see Jesus as? They saw Jesus as the guy who could put a stake on every table. They saw Jesus as the guy who could put a Mercedes in every garage. They saw Jesus as the guy who could put an iPhone 53 in every hand, right? Like they saw Jesus as this great material provider. Man, if he can, if he can take a couple loaves and, and break them and all of a sudden 5,000 people eat, what else could he do? Man, I, I need a new boat. Man, we, we, we need a bigger house. They saw all this material provision that he could bring. And here's the thing. They were right. He could. The word says, I will provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. He can provide the material need, but Jesus says, no, I didn't come just to satisfy something that you could get somewhere else. You can get bread at Olive Garden. You can get an iPhone at the Seaspire store or the Apple store. You can get a Mercedes at the car dealership. What I have, you can't get anywhere else. I didn't come to meet that basic need, I came to meet something so much more significant in your life. Listen again carefully to verse 31. They said, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, now, now we're getting at what they really wanted, what their focus actually was. In essence, they said, okay, Moses did this. What are you going to do? you got to be greater than him. So if he, if he satisfied our material, physical need this way, how are you going to satisfy our material, physical need? And Jesus responds in verse 22 and 23. It says, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So first of all, he had to correct the thing. He said, first of all, let's, let's not get it twisted. Moses didn't do nothing for you. Moses didn't provide manna. Moses was just the vessel that I used to speak to to tell you the manna was coming. But I gave you the manna. My father gave you the manna. The manna came from heaven. It didn't come from Moses. So, so don't attribute something that you've received from God to some person, man. If God's used a worship leader in your life or a pastor in your life or a small group leader in your life, man, that's awesome. And praise God. And you can honor that God used that person. But don't ever misconfuse what happened and think that that person did it for you. God's the one that did it. So don't, don't give Moses the credit for what I have done. That's my glory. I did that for you. So first he corrects them, them giving the glory to the wrong place, but then he goes on to, to address the nature of the manna. He pointed out the more important truth that the manna was for the body, but the bread he came to give was for the soul, for something far greater. So then he drops his first I am bombshell in the book of John, John 6, 35. It says, then Jesus said to them, I am Yahweh, the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. What a statement. What a statement. What kind of confidence do you have to have to say, if you come to me, you will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. I have what you need, what he says, what he proclaims. You see, there's two kinds of bread that people can eat, and I don't just mean gluten-free and gluten. You see, there's physical bread that we can eat in whatever culture, whatever place, whatever country, whatever home, whatever style that we choose to eat it. But there's more than just that physical bread. There's spiritual bread 
that's eternal, and it feeds the soul. It feeds the deep longing for security and significance that's placed inside of each and every one of us. There's more to life than Olive Garden bread. And I love me some Olive Garden bread. It's great. It's a blessing. I'm grateful for it. But this thing right here won't satisfy you. It just won't. And you know that. You've experienced it. You've been there. And so Jesus says, I came to give you something that's going to fill the greatest void in your life, the greatest longing in your heart, the thing that you couldn't even explain what it was, but it was always there, that gnawing sense of emptiness, that gnawing sense of, of missing something. I came to fill that, and nobody else can. Nothing else can. Jack Higgins, a, a highly successful author who wrote several, several best-selling thrillers, was, was asked one time after all of his success and, and after all of the money that he made, what did he know now that he wished he knew when he was a boy? And this is what he said, I wish I had known that when you get to the top, there is nothing there. Whoa. I wish I had known. That when you get to the top, because I fought and I scratched and I clawed and I worked and I gave everything I could to get to the top. But I wish that I knew that once you finally got there, there's nothing there. Wow. So much what we strive for is full of emptiness and nothingness. There are so many Jack Higginses out there who are fighting and scratching and clawing to get to the top. And once we finally do, we realize there's nothing there. In the first place, perhaps there's even a Jack Higgins in this room right now, striving for the top of your field, of your career, of your profession, of your relationships, fighting to, to get to that place in whatever arena of life matters to you. But deep down inside, you've discovered the higher I go, the emptier I feel. The further, the closer I get, the further I feel like I truly am. It's because that thing will never satisfy. And so Jesus comes from heaven and he says, I am the bread of life. I am the one that satisfies. You see, it's no coincidence that Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem. See, because Bethlehem literally means house of bread. God, from the very beginning, declared, I'm sending someone to you who's going to come with the bread of life. He's not just going to come with the bread of life. He is the bread of life. And once you take a bite, once you taste and see, once you've experienced him, he's going to satisfy something that you didn't even know could be satisfied in your life. The prophet Isaiah makes an amazing statement in, in Isaiah chapter 55, inspired Obviously, by the Holy Spirit, God speaking to him, he says this. He says, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. He's saying that today. All who are thirsty, all who are weak. He says, even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It is all free. Why spend your money on bread that does not give you strength? Why pay for bread that does you no good? Listen, and I will tell you where to get bread that is good for the soul. Do you know why you should never substitute the material for the spiritual because the material will never satisfy. It just won't. Back in the 1600s, 
French mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal made this, this very famous statement that we've kind of converted the wording on, and, but, but it's very transcendent in, in, in kind of our Christian culture, but it's so true. He said there is a God-shaped vacuum in the life of every person that only God can fill. We, we often say that there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. But he's saying there's, there's something in there that it doesn't matter what else you experience, doesn't matter how successful you get, doesn't matter what, what new philosophy you create or how famous you become or what groups you get to teach in front of, doesn't matter how much success you have in life, if you don't fill that thing with God, it will always be empty. If you want to be a satisfied customer of life, number one, never substitute the material for the spiritual. Number two, never substitute the temporal for the eternal. Never satisfy for what only lasts on earth when you can experience that which lasts forever. What makes the bread of life so unique is the, the last part of the statement Jesus makes in, in verse 35 of chapter 6. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Everything else in life is temporary. Right? You can't take it with you. It's been said. Uh, it's amazing to me how quickly the shine on something new fades. I got some new shoes this week, and it takes two days, and somebody steps on them, and they're scuffed up, and they're not new anymore, right? Like, it, it, it's so temporary where you've got that feeling of, man, this looks good. You get that new car, and you got that new car smell for a couple weeks or maybe a couple of months, but it don't stay a new car smell forever, Right, and then you got to wash it. That's a good point. It's got to be done. No matter how much money you have, you will always want more. No matter how many breadsticks you eat, you're always going to want some more. Tomorrow, have you ever had this experience at Thanksgiving? You, you sit down at the table, and there's maybe three inches between you and the table as you start to eat. And, and by the time you're touching the table, that's when you realize, okay, I need to stop eating. I've, I've expanded. My stomach has grown a little bit. You've eaten so much, you're like, man, I can't. I'm never going to eat again. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to the couch. I'm going to watch football. You turn on the Lions game. They're getting blown out. You fall asleep. You take a nap. Three, four hours later, you wake up. What are you doing? Opening the fridge, looking for that other turkey leg, right? Where is that thing at? Why? Because as full as you can get, even when you're over full, even when it's unhealthy full, even when it makes you sick full, you're going to get empty pretty quick, right? That's the way the temporary works. It only lasts but a moment. It's fleeting. It leaves so quickly. Listen again to verse 27. It says, do not work for food that spoils, Jesus says, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father has placed his seal of approval. Hunger is a real problem in our world. As Christians, as, as believers in Jesus, I believe we have an obligation to work to, to, to feed those who don't have food when even, when the temporary need matters. In fact, I'm a big believer that, that many times meeting the temporary need is what will open the door for us to meet the eternal need. That, 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 that's the thing that's felt. That's the thing that's experienced. That's why we do Mission OB. That's why we're going to be talking to you very soon about the outreaches we're going to be doing for Easter and, and the ways that we're going to bless our community because we believe in that. But also understand this. If somehow, some way, God blessed us enough that we could feed every person on planet Earth tomorrow, they'd still be hungry on Tuesday. 
is only a temporary blessing. It's an important blessing and it opens the door to meet a deep need, but it's still only temporary. The world wants to satisfy your body. God wants to satisfy your heart. Nothing else can do that. The world wants you to focus on that which is going to die, which is your body. God wants you to focus on that which is going to live forever, which is your soul. There's Something about this bread of life that followers of Christ need to remember, and and that's this. Just like bread is eaten every day, the bread of life can be partaken of and experienced every day. This is amazing. You see, Jesus said, I'm going to give you bread that will last forever, that that you're not going to be hungry anymore. In other words, ultimately, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a satisfaction that comes from that, that that lasts for eternity. Because we're going to be fully in his presence. He's going to be fully revealed. But... But just simply experiencing him for a moment, while that will give us access to that eternal life with him, it's not going to satisfy you for the rest of your life on earth. That's why he says, I've got something else for you. We're going to put two phrases together. John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. But Matthew 6, 11, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Notice the, the, the repetition in that statement. To give us this day our daily bread. There's less than 70 words in the Lord's Prayer, and yet he repeats this concept of, uh, of the day. What do you think the reason for that might be? Because you need him every day. You've got to partake in him every day. You've got to experience him every day. And so if you go back just a couple chapters from that to Matthew chapter 4, Jesus quotes the Old Testament. He says to the enemy as he's being tempted, by the way, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. When he says this, he says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. This ain't going to keep you alive. It's not going to sustain everything you need. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God, you have the opportunity, Christian. I have the opportunity to partake of that bread on a daily basis. The way you feed on the bread of life is getting in the word of God. It's feasting on what he's given you. In other words, it's not just reading the Bible. It's meditating on his word. It's, it's studying it. It's, it's quoting it. It's praying it. It's, it's thinking it. It's discussing it. Having those opportunities, man, where, where you bring that up with a spouse or a loved one or, or a friend. And, man, what, man, what's God been showing you? God, what's God been revealing to you? Man, what, what do you think about this passage, man? Here's what God showed me. It's taking that and, and actually bringing it into our life. And when you do that, you get that daily satisfaction not just the satisfaction that we'll one day have forever i'll I'll close with this a man named john krakauer wrote wrote a book called into thin air which was the story of an expedition that took place uh to the the summit of mount everest during the spring of 1996 that resulted in a very massive loss of life and in krakauer's book he, he recounts one of the most unfortunate stories about a man named andy harris who was one of the expedition leaders and the, the expedition leaders had set some standards at the beginning of the trip that once we get to the summit, once we get to the, the top of Mount Everest, here's how long we can stay there. And once that point hits, we have to get down in, in order to stay safe, in order to make sure we have enough oxygen in our body to, to, to return to base camp. And so Andy Harris gets up to Mount Everest and, man, I worked so hard to get here. It's so beautiful and so amazing and so thrilling to be here. And he decided just to, to hang out a little longer. So he stayed at the summit too long, and the rest of the, the team descended without him. And finally, Andy Harris started to descend. And 
got himself in trouble, and so he radioed down to base camp and told them that he was needing oxygen, but, but he had stumbled upon a stash uh, of oxygen tanks, of oxygen cartridges that uh, another group had left. And, and they said, man, use that. You need to use that oxygen. You need this. And he says, no, the, the, the oxygen t- containers, they're empty. There's no oxygen in them. And base camp argues with him and says, no, there's oxygen in them. You're, you're missing it. You've got to use that. And what happened was Andy Harris had, had been, he deprived his brain of oxygen long enough that he confused himself, that his brain wasn't functioning at its proper level, and there actually was oxygen in those containers. And Andy Harris died with life in his hands, with the very thing that he needed. But because he'd been deprived of the thing that he needed, he didn't realize it was the thing that he needed. And how many of us have deprived ourselves of the bread of life and we don't even realize it's what we need anymore because we haven't satisfied that need in such a long time and it's right there in our hand it's on our stinking phone we got an app it's everywhere we go and yet the thing that we need for life we never take advantage of and we're dying maybe not physically but but we're dying inside we're dying of discouragement and loneliness and insignificance and and depression and and, and we're slowly withering away and God's screaming at us from base camp saying just use the thing I already gave you there's life in it God forbid we become spiritual Andy Harris's God forbid we deprive ourselves so long of the word of God of the presence of Jesus that we lose sight that that's what we need and we don't take advantage of it when it's right there, easily at our disposal. We, we can put all 7 billion people on earth in, into two groups. There, there's the group that, that has partaken of the bread of life, that has received salvation, that, ha, that has tasted and seen that Jesus is good. And we can even bring that group down to, to a couple different levels. There's those who are fully satisfied because they're daily spending time with him and feasting and nourishing themselves. And then there's those of us who, who maybe haven't nourished ourselves for a while. But then there's the other group. There's those who've never yet tasted and seen that God is good. There's those who've never yet experienced the bread of life for themselves. And if you're in that second group, I just want to tell you today that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the answer to that longing in your soul. He's the answer to that emptiness in your heart. He's the answer to that question you don't even know how to express. He stands before you today and he says, I am the bread of life. Feast on me and you will never be hungry again.